Welcome to the Self-Fellowship Church Podcast. Here at Self-Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, friends. I'm Pastor Yvonne, and I'm here to continue our series on change. Change. Goodness. I have a love-hate relationship with change. There are certain days when I want to see so many things change, and when they don't, I get frustrated. And there are other days when I, change is out of my control, and I hate it. <laughs> and this year has been a year of so much change. Gosh, it is November 15, 2020, and we are still in a season of change. It's not going anywhere. And this entire series that Alex has set up for us has been a series to help us navigate through change and in the process to to experience God in that change. And I hope that one thing you can take from this series is the last three weeks. This general structure, I think, is such a gift that Alex has given to us. This chance to look backward and to look at how change has affected us, what we've lost, what, what emotions have been stirred out of this season of change, and give yourselves time to reflect and even lament. And then moving into looking up, because we have a God who has gone through all of this change with us, and he's gone nowhere. You know, there is nothing that can separate us from his love. There is no place on the planet or in the depths of our emotions that we can go that that he wouldn't meet us there. And so we can confidently look up in the midst of change, knowing that we can look Godward and that he is with us. And we can step forward knowing, okay, God, you are with us and we can start to ask you, what do you want us to step into next? And we can expect that he's going to go with us, whether we notice him or not. We can, we can look backward, we can look upward, we can look forward. And I would just give you that as a gift um, today and an encouragement to use this rhythm in your life with God. As you meet with him every week or and every season of life to to do this reflection every year perhaps I think that this is a beautiful gift that Alex has given to us and as we step into another week on change actually two weeks on change we're going to sort of shift gears a little bit because we're going to have a chance to look inward and ask a question who are we And then next week, we're going to look outward. Who are we for this community? Because not only have we gone through change individually, I know that I'm in a multi-tier level of change in my life right now. I've just changed. I've just moved. I bought a new home. I have new roommates. Um, My my job has changed. I have a new boss. And my church community has changed. The way that we meet together has changed. Our nation has changed and is changing. And the globe, we have global pandemic that has changed our world. So I'm in a multi-tiered level (laughs) phase of change. 
But today, as we gather, we're gathering as, as a church. And I know that many of you are gathering with us online. And we're here together to look at the change within our community. And I will tell you that as Alex asked me to, to share and lead this message, it, it's a challenge to be able to say, who are we as South Fellowship Church right now in the midst of all this change? And even next week, as we're going to be in even smaller groups together. And those of you who are online, we are so glad that you are with us. But it is hard to tell you who we are when you guys are sitting in your living rooms and we're here in church. You know, God, who are we as a community? How has this season changed us? And who are you changing us to be? God... You've, you've already put us in this season of change. Um, and for those of you who may be new with us, we have gone through a season of change here in our community. Last year, we had a lead pastor say that he was taking another position. And so we've kind of gone into a season of, of wilderness in a way. And now we have a new lead pastor. We have a new executive pastor. And, and we're excited. But this is, this is also still a lot of change. And so today, I felt like the one thing I could do is go back to a story in Scripture that is a story of, of a people, a community, that has gone through a bunch of change, and perhaps their story can actually anchor us into our, a greater story that we are also a part of. One of our values here is roots. And we want to be connected to a story that is ancient. And so today we're going to pick up the story of the tribe of Israel after they have set up their, their monument, taking their stones out of the Jordan River. They've walked across on dry ground and they've worshipped the Lord that he has been faithful to them. And they have stepped foot in the promised land. And I hope today that we can find ourselves in their story and we can find some of the attributes and, and process of this community true about us today. But let's pray before we pick up the scriptures and start in Joshua 5. Father God, King Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you that we can have confidence to look backward and upward and take steps forward uh, knowing that you are here with us. And God, today, as we look at who we are and how our story is connected to a greater story, God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would highlight something in this text that would illuminate something that we can talk to you further about this week. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We have this tribe of Israel. They have gone over one river on dry ground. First, uh, in the Red Sea, they've wandered in the wilderness for many, many years. They've walked across now another river on dry ground, and they're standing in the promised land. Joshua chapter 5 says, Now, when all the Amorite kings east of the Jordan... And the Canaanite kings along the coast, they heard that the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over. Their hearts melted 
in fear. And they had no longer had any courage to face the Israelites. Whoa. This community who just walked into the promised land, they had a clear identity. Everybody knew who they were because they were the community and the tribe that was known for walking across rivers on dry ground. <laughs> and they step foot in the promised land and all of their opponents are melting. Okay, maybe you've had this experience before if you are a competitor and you've gone up in a competition against somebody who is miles ahead of you in the process. It's like you're up against professionals and you're the amateur and you're like, oh, I know this game is gonna end in a mercy game and we're gonna have to call it early because there's no way we're gonna win against that team. So here we have the other Amorite kings, uh, the Canaanite kings, all of their opponents, they're freaked out. They know that there's something cool about this community of Israel, and they all know it. So here we have Israel, and their job is to go take over the promised land, and you would think that they are ready to go. Their other opponents are freaked out. <laughs> but if we look at who is in this tribe, and who just stepped over that river on dry ground, you might not be so terrified anymore. These were a whole bunch of campers that had just gone in the wilderness for years living on manna, and all of their warrior men have died off. So they walk across the river as sort of a bunch of misfits, <laughs> I don't, I don't think they were trained for battle or war at all. So why is it that all the other nations are freaking out to the point that their hearts are melted, they're discouraged, they're on the floor, they're thinking, no way can that group of campers come. They're afraid of a group of campers, right? <laughs> and we see that actually the clear identity for these people of Israel was not actually because they were anybody special. They were distinguishable, not because of who they were or who they brought across that river, but because of whose they were. And that is true of communities of faith, that if we believe in Jesus and we follow him, which is our mission here, to walk in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus, that means we belong to him. And so this is true of our tribe here at South Fellowship Church. We are a people of God. And we belong to him. We've just sung songs about that. That it is, it is God's church here. We are God's church. And that means that we are chosen to be loved by him. And this is nothing that any amount of change can take away from us. We are grounded in the fact that we are gods. And I wonder today, do you know whose you are? Do we know as a church whose we are? I honestly think that we've been learning this lesson 
over this season of wilderness in our journey here. Because we had our lead pastor leave and he said, you were never following me. If I was doing a good job, you were following Jesus. And actually, he's been your lead pastor all along. And he will continue to be our lead pastor. Although we love Alex and he's gifted and he's strong and he's a great leader for us, we are God's. And that's a part of our identity here at South. I know many, I know some of you that the, your story was that you began here because we said that, that Jesus is our lead pastor. It's not any person that's standing up here. It's him. And this should make us distinct in our world. This should make us stand out. The other nations or the other people around us should start to know that we're different because we're God. So where is it that we stand out in the way of Jesus? Are we standing out and and shining bright? Or are we blending in? Are our social media posts, are they blending in? Are they looking more like the world? Or are they looking more like the way of Jesus? How about our conversations with our family about the holidays coming up? Are they looking like Jesus? Or are they looking like the world? Are we freaking out in a way that that makes us unable to stand out? I think this is an invitation for us to remember that this was God's plan all along. He chose this people of Israel out of all the nations of the world, that he would bless them, that he would make their name great, that he would set them apart But it wasn't just because they were super cool, not because they had anything going for them, but because he wanted the whole world to see that when we make God our God, and when we belong to him, that we start to stand out, and we become magnetic for the other people. The reason that the other tribes were looking at them as they were freaking out is because they had something They had access to someone that they didn't. And that that made them feel different. But in the end, God wanted to use a set-apart nation, a chosen nation, so that the whole world would know whose they could belong to. As we continue this story, the very next verse in Joshua chapter 2 says... Right as they stepped into the promised land, they realized that there was one way that they were not distinguishable. God said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. He stops them in the middle of their process. They were probably raring to go. The, the other nations were, were discouraged, and they could probably take them over easily. And here God says, wait a minute. There's one way that you're not distinguished, the way that I set apart for you, and that was circumcision. So we're going to have to talk about circumcision. <laughs> Out of all the passages in Joshua, I chose circumcision. <laughs> I mean, looking at the following passages, I would have had to deal with massive elimination of nations and cities 
or perhaps the stoning of an entire family for their sin. So circumcision seemed like an easier way to go. <laughs> and then I realized, you know what? If men can stand up here and talk about childbearing, I think that a female can stand up here and talk about circumcision. <laughs> Anywho, circumcision was always connected to a covenant. And the covenant was given of many, 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 many generations before. And that was what I was alluding to, that Abraham was called out of all the other nations to be set apart. And God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of nations. I'm going to make a special covenant with you. We're going to be in a really special relationship. And I'm going to covenant to you. I'm going to be your God. And a part of this is that you're going to walk into this promised land and you're going to take it over. You're going to have the whole land of Canaan. And this story is just a beautiful story because at the very end of, I mean, at 99 years old, Abram does not have his descendant, right? And out of the most impossible circumstances, God shows up for him, and he's able to make this covenant with him even when there's no sight that it could be fulfilled. And God goes ahead and makes this covenant with Abraham. And I think that God knew that there would be some, there would be some deal breakers in this covenant, in this relationship. He knew that they weren't going to fulfill that. And when he set and established this covenant with Abraham, God put the entire weight of the covenant on his own shoulders. He asked Abraham to bring out sacrifices of all different, different wealth statuses. And he walked through all those pieces saying, I am going to put this covenant on me. And I'm going to be faithful because I know that you're going to be unfaithful. And that is absolutely what's playing out in the story of Joshua here. But he said in this covenant, I want, to, I want you to make this a physical sign of this beautiful spiritual relationship that we have. And so I want you to undergo circumcision that would be a sign of this covenant that I, I'm loving you, I'm choosing you, you're going to be set apart among all the other nations, and I want you to have a physical sign. And this is not a physical sign that's like a tattoo on their forehead. This is a private sign, where an intimate sign of their love relationship with God. And he said, during his time with Abraham, he said, any uncircumcised male who has... Um, not been circumcised of the flesh, he will be cut off from his people because he's broken the covenant. So here we have a whole bunch of group of deal breakers, and they're standing before their faithful deal maker. They've just stepped foot in the promised land, remember? That was God showing up on his promise. He promised them the land of Canaan, and they finally, their feet are on that ground. They're about to take this over. 
but they've failed <laughs> to continue the sign of the covenant throughout the wilderness. And for whatever reason, whether they thought it was unsanitary or they might have had really rational reasons for why they didn't do that, these people that were stepping into the promised land were not carrying the sign of the covenant. It's like they, they weren't wearing their wedding ring. <laughs> they, were, they were not showing that they wanted to have covenant back with God. God wanted to have covenant with them, and they weren't showing up on their end. Now, I would imagine that when it says that all of them were not circumcised, maybe some of them were. Maybe there were some families that, that had continued this process, and they wanted to have covenant with God. But those of the men who were out there not uncircumcised, that should have happened on day eight. That should have happened when they were an infant. So did they choose to be uncircumcised? Maybe not. Maybe they didn't even know that they were breaking a covenant with God. And here they are, and God says, guys, you've been breaking covenant with me. And maybe they had to say, wow, maybe that's true. And we need to agree with God in this. I think the most courageous thing happens next. Because... I'm going to skip that. Joshua made the flint knives, and he circumcised them. <laughs> he agreed with God, and he said, you're right. We were wrong. We are the deal breakers, and you are the faithful deal maker. What a beautiful step of courage. I think that Joshua, Joshua realized that this was by the grace of God. They didn't deserve to step into that promised land if they had been uncircumcised on the way and they had been disobeying God's covenant. Remember, he said, you'll be broken off, that you're the deal breaker, and yet he still showed up for them. And how beautiful a grace that is. And I think that that's true of us too, that even when we get it wrong, as a church, as, as a people of God, that we are lavished with God's grace. We are a people of God's grace. We realize that we don't deserve all the good things and the good benefits and blessings that are a part of your kingdom, and yet you still choose to give it to us. And I think that, that this is a church that I have seen example after example that have admitted, you know what, in that area, we got it wrong. <laughs> and we're willing to come back into alignment with you, God. There's ways that, that we've admitted, you know, that maybe it wasn't what we did that was wrong, but how we did it was wrong. And we're willing to, to always come back into agreement with God. I think that grace, the um, I think that confession actually is one of the biggest gifts that God can give us. When he corrects us, it is a grace in order to bring us back into covenant relationship with him. So do we see God's correction as grace? And where might we as individuals need to agree with God, receive his grace for the sake of this community? Maybe there's ways that... that God is pointing out that, 
there's something we need to agree with him on and make it right. Maybe there's a way that we just need to sit and receive his grace and truly receive his grace to believe that we are freed from that in order that this community can get stronger in the grace of God. And I hope that we would continue to be a courageous community that's willing to surrender, willing to obey even when it's painful. This community of Israel, they, they're stopped in their tracks. They could have gone out and wiped out these communities while they were discouraged and their hearts were melted. And God says, no, I want you to somehow find flint and carve some knives get everybody in order and perform surgery, and, and I want you to stop for a time. So all of those that were ready to move, ready to go, God says, wait. <laughs> for all of those who were, okay, we gotta get stronger, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go work out, I'm gonna go you know, lift some rocks, I'm gonna get stronger so we can conquer these enemies, and he's like, no, I want you to have surgery, and I want you to heal. You think that this is really disappointing. And now they're in a position of vulnerability. The, the Jordan River just flowed back behind them. And the enemy territory is in front of them. And now they're, they're stuck between literally a rock and a hard place. And they're vulnerable. They're having surgery. So I hope that we would become as daringly dependent as Israel, despite disappointing detours. There are so many detours that keep coming our way, including new health restrictions. <laughs> and, but maybe we need to posture ourselves and say, God, whatever you say, we're going to obey. You know, that might cause more work for us by putting together three services for you all, but we want to be committed to putting you all before ourselves. I think we need to be a community that places a we over the me. Amen. And I know there's a whole lot of dreams that I have and a whole lot of things, steps that I want to take. And then God's saying to me, Yvonne, are you willing to surrender your own opinions and dreams and preferences in order that self can become who I want them to be? We are a community. And I think it's really important in the midst of change to realize that you are not alone. You are a part of God's church. You are a part of a, a tribe of grace. And there is so much joy that comes when we connect to the story that's greater than our individual story. And when we are able to put our own preferences on, on hold for the sake of the whole, we start to free ourselves to love this community, to love one another, to see the needs around us, and to not be so navel-gazing that we get so caught up in our own journey, in our own struggle, in our own wrestlings, in our own conflict and resistance to change that we don't see that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And today, I want us to, to have a little ceremony in order to remember this moment. And I've chosen three candles. 
And I'm going to ask three pastors to join us up front and to lead us in a, a whole communal surrender. One, one prayer that has been beneficial to me during this time, this whole season of change, has been the serenity prayer. That there is a whole lot of things that we can't change. But you know, God also gives us the ability to change. And so there are things that we can change. And so I've tried to blend some of what we've been talking about today uh, with the Lord's Prayer and with our, our points of the sermon with the serenity prayer to together proclaim that we are God's church. Let's make a memory today that we are a people of grace and that we are a people willing to surrender and put the we over the me. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to do this ceremony together. Father God, I thank you that you have knit us together as your church, that you have lavished us with your grace, and that you continue to walk with us every step of these discouraging and disappointing detours. God, continue to do your work amongst us as we just declare and affirm together our identity, our grace, and our surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Yvonne. Wonderful words. As I light this candle, may it represent the light of God that brings us identity. I'd ask us all to stand and to repeat this affirmation with me of the affirmation of our identity. Whether you're at home, whether you're here, let's say this together. We are God's children. Together, we are God's church. Our Father in heaven, we receive our identity from you alone. We confess that often we want church to conform to our needs, but you have intended community to form us in your way. God, grant us the willingness to let go of the things about this church we cannot change. Grant us courage to change the things we can and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Now let's affirm our grace together. Would you read with me? We are wandering children. By faith, we trust in God's grace for the forgiveness of sins. Our Father in heaven, we receive grace from you alone. We confess that often we don't see our wandering sinful ways, but when you graciously reveal them, you welcome us with, with deep acceptance and celebration. God, grant us the willingness to let go of the things about this journey of faith we cannot change. Grant us courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference.
And friends, let's affirm our surrender. We are daringly dependent children. Together we surrender to you alone. Our Father in heaven, we receive the humble posture of Christ to walk in his way with his heart. We confess that often we don't see your kingdom first, yet your purpose and calling is still on this church. God, grant us the willingness to let go of anything that stands in the way of your kingdom coming. Grant us courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference. Father God, we thank you that you are God, and we're not. <laughs> you are God, and we're your church. You're God, and you are faithfully lavishing us with grace. God, may we courageously surrender whatever it is that you're, you're putting on our heart today in order that your church and your kingdom might come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. If God is working in your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give online at southfellowship.org slash give or on the South Fellowship Church app. Thanks for listening, South family. Have a great rest of your day.